And I felt terrible that I had this stigma against myself that I didn't know about, right? I thought of myself as very accepting and very, but I was like, oh, but, but I'm not who I thought I was now. Welcome to Mental Health in Minnesota, produced by NAMI Minnesota, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, a nonprofit organization dedicated to improving the lives of children and adults with mental illnesses and their families. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namihelps.org. Thanks for listening again, everybody. We have another personal story related to NAMI Minnesota's 40th anniversary. And today we have Kiara Buchanan with us. And Kiara, tell me about your journey to NAMI. What brought you to NAMI? Uh, Well, in 2013, I made the decision that I was going to uh, finally figure out how to deal with my depression in a better way. I had been treated for depression for about 20 years. Um, but the treatment hadn't been very effective, and I just decided I was going to be much more proactive in terms of what I was doing. Instead of just relying on my general practitioner to give me medication, and I started doing a lot of research on, you know, how how to um, improve your mental health. And everything that I read said, you know, taking medication alone is not enough. So um, I looked into some of the things that they recommended. And one of the things was volunteering. And I thought, okay, I I should, you know, be more active, be in contact with people and think about volunteering somewhere. And I thought, um, you know, what would be a good fit for me? And I have always been a very outspoken, um, passionate advocate for people with mental illness. And it didn't take me long to find um, NAMI as a good place to um, kind of do my volunteering. Um, I'm a public school teacher, and so I'm standing in front of people speaking all the time. And so when the opportunity came to be involved with NAMI's Speakers Bureau, I was really excited about it because I thought it was a really good fit for me. I had not taken advantage of any of NAMI's classes, partly because I'm very introverted and being around groups of people is not my favorite thing which a lot of people find very ironic because <laughs> I spend an awful lot of time in front of groups of people yeah. and I am not at all shy about talking to very large groups of people. But if you get me in a room that's a small and intimate setting where I might need to make small talk, it's absolutely not going to mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. What I found um, through uh, my volunteer by volunteering with the Speakers Bureau is hearing other people's stories has been very helpful to me. Um, I'm paired with a different person uh, for different talks as part of the In Our Own Voices program. And everybody's story is very different. And um, it makes me reflect on my own uh, path with mental illness and my own journey to NAMI. And it also has been very moving to get the questions and comments from the audience, um, many of whom are people living with mental illness. And I always feel like if even one person in the audience is uh, moved by what we have to say, then I feel like I'm doing a really important job. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Tell me more if I if I missed it. What what made you want to seek treatment more after twenty years of of living with depression? What was it that finally made oh, you want to? So there were a couple a couple of things that happened. Um, I was working as a teacher in a program that um, it's an early childhood family education program. So it was parents who were coming um, with their children, ages birth to five. And I absolutely loved the job and loved working with the moms. And I had never missed a day. It was a very part-time job. I was working between six and 18 hours a week. And I was also a stay-at-home mom. So it was kind of a perfect job for me. And there was one morning that I could not stop crying. And I wasn't sad about anything in particular. I couldn't explain to people why this was happening. <clears throat> and I had to call my boss and say, I, I'm sorry, I can't stay at work today. And she, she was she's very understanding. She said, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Can I help you? Is there anything? And I'm like, nope, I'm clinically depressed and I'm just having a really bad day today. Wow. And um, so I, I went home and actually I was so angry that I was missing a day of work. Oh. I was so mad about this. And I called um, my um, clinic to see, you know, can I get in to see somebody? Because I was like, clearly, I am not, I'm, I'm not managing my mental health well. And I know that I would go into my general practitioner and she would say, so how are things going? And I would say, fine. Because the only time I would ever go in to see my doctor was when things were fine. Mm -hmm. When things were not fine. I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not returning phone calls. I'm not checking my email. I'm not yeah, going to see my doctor. Yeah, it's hard to go doctor. to the doctor when you're not feeling well. Yes, it's, exactly. You don't want to go. And so I think I was underreporting all of my symptoms, and it seemed like everything was going really well. And I could hold it together mm -hmm. um, for those short periods of time that I needed to work. You know, even if I was doing really, really poorly, I could fake it for three hours at a time. Yeah. And I was so energized by dealing with those moms and those kids that it brought, you know, great joy and energy to my life. Sure. And, and I was really good at fooling people into thinking I was doing well. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that phone call when I was trying to get in to see, see somebody for help was also hugely frustrating because I think I called in May and they said the earliest appointment we can make for you is in September. Oh, wow. And there was just this dead silence on the line. And the woman I was talking to said, do you feel that you are a danger to yourself or others? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. Mm -hmm. I just need to talk to somebody and figure out a better treatment plan. Um, and eventually she said, oh, you know, there is a behavioral health navigator who can help you find somebody to talk to that's out of network but covered on your plan. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh. You could have opened with that. Right. That would right. have been nice. <laughs> and um, so that was kind of the that was kind of the start of things. And um, one of the commitments I made on that day was that I was going to track my mental health by um, by writing. And I decided to do it in a public blog format mm -hmm. because when I had tried to do writing before I would fall off. 
you know, who is who's going to check it? Who am sure. I being accountable to? Um, and I have a master of fine arts and creative writing. And so writing is something I really enjoy doing. And in this way, I shared that information with my friends and my family. And um, it was holding me my holding me accountable to the outside world. Yeah. And it kept me writing. It kept me. Um, it, I tracked on that what medications I was taking. Mm-hmm. I tracked my mood. Sometimes I would just tell stories of things that happened. I didn't have a set format. But that way, when I went in to see my doctor, I had information to fall back on. So I would review my blog posts before I went in to talk to my doctor. That's smart. And she'd say, you know, how have you been doing? And I said, well, I thought I'd been doing fine, but I went back and looked at this and I didn't leave the house for seven days because I couldn't bear the thought of interacting with people. Yeah. See, a lot of people wouldn't remember those things. I've myself, I've done that where that's great that you were able to go back and look at your own record. Yes. And it also allowed me to, you know, she'd say, well, how did you do on this medication? And I'd, I'd think, wait, I've been on that medication. How, how did I do on that one? And I could go back and do a search and say, oh, yeah, that was the one that made me feel like a zombie all day. And I nearly fell asleep at work. So maybe let's not do that one again. Well, that's smart. <clears throat> Are you still doing that? Are you still I am blo- still doing yeah. that. Um, I, don't, I, I don't blog with great... Um, I don't know how to say this. I don't necessarily Frequency. blog every day. Yeah. I don't necessarily blog every Routinely. week, but some routine, yeah, right? Sure. There's not a, there's not a super set routine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and is <clears> it, <throat> is it something that's accessible only to your family and friends that no, you've chosen or is it public? It's accessible. It's public. Do, it's accessible to everybody. Do you want to mention the site? I certainly could. If you um, want to, go ahead. Yeah. It's convexity.weebly.com. C-O-N-V-E-X-I-T-Y dot Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. And I I decided to make it 100% public because I wanted it to serve two purposes. One of them was this personal, like, so that I can reflect back on it. And another one of them was to work against the stigma of mental health. Yeah. And so, you know, my friends like, oh, are you blogging under your own name? And I was like, yep. <laughs> and like, oh, that's really brave. Right. Um, and I was well, like, it is. well, it is. It is. And it, it's irritating that it's brave. Right. 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 Um, but I was like, I'm not going to hide. Now, one of the things that made it more difficult is when I started blogging, I had a diagnosis of major depression. But... As we were trying to figure out an appropriate treatment for my depression, we discovered the reason that the treatment for depression wasn't working is I did not have depression, that I actually have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. And at that point, I nearly stopped blogging Oh, (laughs) because I didn't realize I had such a stigma against bipolar disorder. Wow. And it took me by surprise. I felt like um, it was a... I was having an identity crisis, having been so outspoken about how okay it was to have depression and how people with depression could live meaningful lives. And, you know, it wasn't going to hold me back and I was going to, you know, follow all my dreams. And then they said, and you have bipolar disorder. And I was like, oh, wow. well, now everything has to stop. Yeah. Or I'm now ashamed to tell people this. Sure. 
because I feel like depression has been normalized in a way that bipolar has not yet. Because mm-hmm. um, nobody would ever say, oh, yeah, I was totally bipolar last week, but I'm better now. Right. You know, and they never say, oh, don't worry, you'll get over it. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not something that I'm going to get it's over. It's amazing to hear from, you know, your your own perspective, stigmatizing yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I felt terrible that I had this stigma against wow. myself yeah. that I didn't know about. Right. I thought of myself as very accepting and very, but I was like, oh, but, but I'm not who I thought I was. Well, what now. a learning opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, wow. And, but I made the decision. I was like, you know what, if I'm, if I'm really serious about destigmatizing mental illness and if I'm really serious about not wanting to hide, then when my diagnosis changes, how much more valuable to share that information to. Absolutely. Yeah, because there's a, another journey right in that topic. Yeah, um, and actually, keeping the blog was part of what got me my diagnosis. Um, oh, so tell me more. I um, so I'd been blogging for a long time, and there were friends of mine who had known me. All five of them have known me for longer than ten years. So these are not casual acquaintances, and all of them independently told me after reading my blog. You know, I'm not sure if you're depressed. It really sounds to me like you might have bipolar disorder. Yeah. And I said, oh, no, you're, you're to- totally wrong. I've gone to Google University. I've taken right. the tests. <laughs> and the, the uh, Internet says I don't have bipolar disorder. So thanks. Yeah. And um, in addition to being close friends of mine, all of these women um, had personal connections with others with bipolar disorder. Mm. So one of them is a childhood friend whose mother has um, bipolar disorder. One of them has a sister with bipolar disorder. Another one has two close friends with bipolar disorder. Um, One of them is a neighbor of mine who had not yet told me, but she herself had bipolar disorder. And um, so I felt like as each of them came to me with these like questions like are you sure have you really looked into this you know you really remind me of my friend or things that you describe sound a lot like my mom um but the only person i listened to or the final per final straw i guess was a friend of mine um who's a certified medical assistant and and she just sat me down and she's like so You're calling your doctor right now. I'm taking your keys. You can't drive home. So either you call or I call. And it wasn't about any particular crisis. It was just, she's like, this is enough. You know, like (laughs) enough. Yeah. It's, it's getting old. You just need to get the right diagnosis and be treated. Well, how fortunate for you to have them. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because what was happening at the time was, um, because my depression was not responding to medication, they kept changing the medications I was on and fine and, ch- and upping the levels to the point where I was becoming manic. And so it was those manic behaviors that my friends were seeing mm-hmm. that were really alarming to them, but that to me felt awesome. Sure. You oh, know, yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not depressed anymore. And look, now I'm a superhero. Mm-hmm. I can do everything. And wow. I was getting so much done. And, 
and it was not sustainable and it was it was destructive in a way I didn't see at the time. So it really speaks to the importance of having a support network and people around us that can help watch out for us. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And the the blog also enabled me to do that. I don't allow public comments on it because I I've seen comments. I've sure. read people's comments and yeah. I have no desire that to know what the general fun. public thinks about what I'm writing. Right. Uh, but I did set it up so that um, my friends could post on Facebook as replies to the cool. um, the blog. And I would get really helpful, really supportive comments there. Um, and that was, uh, that would, they would kind of let me know if they were, you know, worried about what they were reading or if, if what I said made them think of something and some healthy feedback. And yeah. it, it broadened my support network to people that I had never thought of to look for support. Oh, sure. mm -hmm. Um, and I also heard back from some of my Facebook friends or Facebook acquaintances, as it were, that what they read had made them seek treatment. Oh, wow. Um, okay. or that what they read made them feel better about their diagnosis wow. because they'd had that same kind of stigmatizing, you know, oh my gosh, I'm diagnosed with bipolar. Now it means my <clears throat> life will, you know, completely yeah. change and all of my plans have to stop. So this, it sounds like this blog has been useful for a lot of people. So people should check it out. The name again is convexity.weebly.com. Convexity you say it again instead of both oh, sorry. Of us. <laughs> it's convexity.weebly.com. Perfect. Um, and then back to the volunteering with NAMI Minnesota, the Speakers Bureau and the Inner Own Voice program. Can you think of some favorite memories in, in maybe giving some presentations? Is there anything that stands out a moment that you're proud to have been involved with? Well, I think um, I'm, I'm really new to the Speakers Bureau yet. I've been um, speaking as a volunteer for about a year now. And I think... One of the things that it's, I don't know if it really stands out, just the, the different audiences um, that I've had the opportunity to speak with. So I've gone to um, undergraduate and graduate college classes to speak with students of um, psychology. Mm -hmm. And they've had um, some really interesting questions. And um, they've said that having speakers from NAMI who are living with mental illness challenge their views of people living with mental illness. Um, because it's hard to picture, you know, just re from reading textbooks yeah, and actually talking to people. Um, and it's great. You could come in to give that personal, just that, that face to yeah, the story. Um, and I think, uh, some of the other places I've gone were inpatient treatment programs, both for adolescents and adults. Mm-hmm. And speaking to patients or the speaking staff? to patients, oh, okay. speaking to patients. And I really enjoyed going to speak to the um, adolescents in an inpatient treatment program. Okay. Um, partly because I teach junior high and high mm -hmm. school. So I felt like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> cool. Wow. Well, good for you for doing that. Uh, what would you say your hopes are for the future of NAMI? I would like to become more involved in NAMI. I feel like this is like, this is me getting my feet wet. Mm -hmm. And um, I still have young children and mm -hmm. I'm working full time. So I kind of feel like this is, this is a good fit for my volunteering right now. It's sure. not a lot of hours every week. It's, 
It's a fairly minimal time commitment on my part, but I would like in the future to um, to be more involved with NAMI. I really um, am excited about the the different programs that NAMI has going, um, and I think it's it's really a value to the community. Absolutely, yeah. Well, keep thinking about it because there's there are lots of volunteer opportunities. So, yeah, we'd love to have you help out even more in the future. What has it meant for you personally to have been involved with NAMI? I think um, there's been a really practical benefit to me in that if I know I have a presentation coming up, I am aware that I have to keep myself together. <laughs> oh. Right? So if times are kind of tough and my my mood is going in a direction, like I feel like I have a depressive episode coming up, or if I feel like I'm getting a little zippy and mm-hmm. it's getting more on the manic side, I look at the calendar and think, okay, in a week, I am speaking at such and such a place for In Our Own Voices, and I better have this figured out so that I can, wow. that I can you know, does it speak honestly? <laughs> so does one of your... NAMI volunteer engagements, those appointments, does that make you think that way differently than it would if you had, let's say, a, so- a social appointment in a week with friends? Is yeah, it absolutely. Different? Because here I feel like I need to be able to honestly say that I am coping well with my mental illness. Sure. Um, and if there's a gathering with friends, I would always have the option to say, yeah, not, I'm not up for this. Right. So, but I feel like I've made this commitment. I have to be up for this. Wow. You know, I've got this, I've made this commitment and, um. So then will it affect how you go about different decisions in those days prior to make sure you're staying well? It, I don't know. It feels like it's, there are these anchor points, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, I don't know if like day to day. But certainly, you know, kind of on the horizon where I'm, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm checking in with myself. How are things going so that I'm not standing up in front of a crowd and Mm -hmm. and lying. Right. Right. Or feeling like I have to have to lie. Um, And I think another thing that's happened is uh, working with a lot of speakers has made me realize how lucky I have been in terms of the the vast and deep support network that I have had. And yeah. to, to think about how things um, might have been very different for me without that support network. And just, so I think it's made me very grateful. Wow. So it sounds like volunteering for you has been an incredible experience. And... NAMI Minnesota definitely appreciates your help. Um, and people out there listening, if you are interested in volunteering, we would love your help. Uh, you can find information about volunteering on our website, namihelps.org, um, and come to a Get to Know NAMI session and learn more about the organization. And Kiara, is there anything else on your mind that you might, that you want to share that I didn't ask? Oh, I think one of the other benefits of uh, being part of NAMI and being part of the Speakers Bureau is it's offered me an in uh, in terms of kind of disclosing my mental illness to people in a a soft way. Oh, sure. So um, when I got a new job uh, this past year and I wasn't out 
as a mm-hmm. person with mental illness. I told one of my friends, I was like, oh, I'm really nervous because I'm giving a, I'm giving a talk for NAMI this Friday. Right. And she's like, oh, what's NAMI? And I said, oh, it's, you know, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. And she's like, oh, like, yeah, I'm part of their In Our Own Voices program. Yeah. She's like, what's that? And so it was a conversation instead of like just saying, hi, I'm Kiara. I have bipolar disorder. Right, right. Which is a little awkward. Yeah. Um, and also being very open and being very public with uh, my involvement with NAMI and with my own mental illness and making sure that it's treated has been really important to my family because now my children, as they have, you know, issues of mental illness coming up, don't feel that it's abnormal to seek treatment. Absolutely. And that's been really important to me because, you know, when I sought treatment, it, I felt like there was something wrong with me and Mm -hmm. that it was a, this was 20 years ago. And I really felt like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. I'm abnormal. It's not okay. And to see my children thinking that mental health is physical health. Right. You know, you have a cold, you go see the doctor, you know, your mental health is not so good. You go see a therapist and that's, that's that. Well, way to be an excellent example. (laughs) I do so, what I can. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in and having this conversation. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Kay King. I'm a community educator for eight years for NAMI, Minnesota. I'm a family member who was born to a mother who lived with mental illness, and my only sibling lives with bipolar disorder. I hope you can join us for Get to Know NAMI. It's a session where we talk about education, support, and advocacy at NAMI, Minnesota. At the session, you'll have a chance to learn about classes and programs that we provide. You'll have a chance to hear about our support groups and our helpline. You'll also have a chance to hear a little bit about the legislative policy, first-person language, and other advocacy programs that we offer. We have daytime and evening sessions available, one hour in length. Please go to our NAMI Minnesota website, namihelps.org, to see locations, times, and dates of our programs. Hope you'll join us. NAMI Minnesota champions justice, dignity, and respect for all people affected by mental illnesses. Through education, support, and advocacy, we strive to eliminate the pervasive stigma of mental illnesses, affect positive changes in the mental health system, and increase the public and professional understanding of mental illnesses. NAMI Minnesota vigorously promotes the development of community mental health programs and services, improved access to services, and increased opportunities for recovery. 5-1-6-4-5-2-9-4-8 or email namihelps at namimn.org. NAMI Minnesota's website is namihelps.org. Outside of Minnesota, visit nami.org to find your state NAMI organization.